guys. Welcome back to the Allergic to Grace podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. And we're so glad you joined in to listen today. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the end of Leviticus. We are here. Chapter 25 through 27. But to pick up where we left off last week, let's quickly recap what we saw in chapters 23 and 24. On the last episode, we discussed the specific days and fees that God put into place for the Israelites. This included, but is not limited to, the Sabbath, the Passover, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, and the Day of Atonement. We talked about the light of Christ and blaspheming God's name. And at the end of the chapters, we wrapped up with a discussion on an eye for an eye. Yes, which does not mean what you think it does. It sure does not. So this episode, we're going to be talking about, um, it kind of is an extenuation, I feel, of like the festivals and stuff. It's kind of like the yearly observances they're supposed to have, right? Yeah, it's like the the final set of instructions. Final set of instructions. And then we have, it's just kind of like a lot of tying up loose ends, I feel. Um, The blessings and curses for the obedience. And then we have at the end on 27, laws about vows and what what is it restitution no um redemption of yes. property and things mm-hmm. like that yes so to jump into it the first half of 25 is talking about the sabbath year so we talked about the sabbath mm-hmm. several episodes sabbath ago as day. well as last episode where it's every seventh day so six days god made the heavens and the earth and then on the seventh day he rested so the seventh day they were supposed to rest so the sabbath year is every seventh year they were not supposed to systemically harvest food from their fields it was supposed to give the land the rest it needed yeah, a timeout a timeout so chapter 25 verse 1 through 9 no 1 through 7 um says the lord spoke to moses on mount sinai saying speak to the people of israel and say to them when you come into the land that i give you the land shall keep a sabbath to the lord for six years you shall sow your fields and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits but the seventh year there shall be a sabbath of solemn rest for the land a sabbath to the lord you shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard you shall not shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide for you, for yourself and for your male and female slaves and for your hired worker and the sojourner who lives with you and for your cattle and for the wild animals that are in your land. All its yields shall be for food. So basically it's like leave the land to grow naturally. To grow naturally. Yeah, you can have whatever produces naturally, mm-hmm. but don't do anything to cultivate the land. Yeah. So basically, they had to live like the poor for an entire year. They had to put their entire faith in God that he would provide what they needed and have a whole year's worth of just nothing. No work in the fields, no harvesting. Correct. So so for this year, they probably didn't have the first fruits or the Feast of Booths and like all that stuff, do you think? Unless they just gave what they harvested naturally. But I don't really know. Hmm. I don't know, but it doesn't matter because there's no proof that Israel ever practiced this. They never did it. Really? Yeah. And then later when I forget when it is, it is, let me see. um, As far as we know, they never kept it because God lets the Babylonians commit after, mind you, currently right now we're, you know, in Leviticus, the Israelites are still in the wilderness. They have not come to the land of Canaan. They're still camped at So this is all he's giving them things to do after they come into the land of Canaan. And so once they come into the land of Canaan or the promised land, um, these are the things that they're supposed to do. 
um, in this year of the Sabbath, they don't do. And we know that they don't do it because whenever I forget exactly where it is, I believe it's in um, Second Chronicles, the Babylonians come in and, and God pretty much says, you know, they're going to come in and the Babylonians push them out or send them into exile. And God says, my land will finally get its rest. Mm hmm interesting i thought they did the sabbath year i didn't think i didn't think they did the year of jubilee i thought they did the sabbath year though yeah i everything i found said that there's there's no evidence that they ever practiced this yeah i mean and and think about it think about the israelites and what we know about them historically and their trouble with (laughs) trusting in what god says you know because not think about how hard that would be that would be like okay now you and your husband don't work for this next year okay you're farmers right or like you know you're not going to work for this next year but you're going to be taken care of you don't have to worry about it everything's going to be good to go yeah how hard would it be for you to just let go and because do you that? put your faith in your own power to exactly. do the work exactly and and not put your faith exactly, in god's because ability think, to provide exactly and two like if you're not working and you're not producing anything you're also not bringing anything extra in which means mm-hmm. you know yeah back to the whole it's also a time of leveling for society if you think about it because you know it's kind of not like a capitalist society but you can have people who do well and people who don't do well mm-hmm. and if people who do well can you know has to go for an entire year just like everybody else they're probably kind of being leveled out in terms of their wealth and everything like that too if they would have actually practiced this yeah i didn't know they didn't do it Mm -hmm. uh enduring word said today some observant jewish people find a way around the sabbath year law on the seventh year they sell quote-unquote sell their land to a gentile for them to work it and then buy it back from the Gentile when the Sabbath year is over. Um, the Gentile makes little money and the Jewish person could say it wasn't my land on the Sabbath year. So it was all right if I, if it worked, like if it was worked, the land was worked. Okay. Yeah. And others observe this by only cultivating six sevenths of their land at any one time. And over seven years, the entire land has had a year of rest. Okay. So I have a question about that mm. for the Jewish folk. But the point of the Sabbath year is to let the land rest. Yeah. And if somebody else is working it, the land is still being worked. Again, not putting their faith in God that he would provide. Yeah. I just don't understand, like, how does that make sense? Because if the point of the Sabbath year is for God's land to get its rest, Mm -hmm. and just because you lease it out to somebody else and you're not doing it, it's not like... It it doesn't matter who works it. It's It's the land. It's not supposed supposed to be worked. worked stop (laughs) every time every episode at least a minimum of once anyway Um, anyway so yeah hey i would practice the year of the sabbath at least i would like to think you would like to think until you're you know two months in and hungry but you want to see like the thing is they had they had manna 40 years into the freaking promised land and they yeah no (laughs) no it's fine Okay, moving on. The year of Jubilee. Now, it took me a minute to figure out what they were talking about in the year of Jubilee. The first part of this is so... I had to stop and be like, okay, 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 wait, wait, wait. wait. Start over. So, eight okay, through okay, what? Twelve? Okay. Yeah, it's just... It's it's a lot. It is. It's a lot. Okay, let's read it. Yeah. Okay. You shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. Then you shall 
sound the loud trumpet on on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all of your land, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for when you each... No... Jubilee for you, when each of you shall return to his property, and each of you shall return to his clan, that fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself, nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines, for it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You may eat the produce of the field. (laughs) So it's the fiftieth year. So you're talking about like the first half of that, counting the seven weeks of the seven... Yeah, that whole time, little seven hunk. years. Yes, it's, it's basically just every fifty years. Every fifty years. So if you take seven times seven, mm-hmm. forty nine, and then we have the fiftieth year. Mm-hmm. So on the year of jubilee, the year prior to that is also a Sabbath year. Yes. So we have a the year of the Sabbath, and then you have the fiftieth year, the year of jubilee, mm-hmm. which are two different things, but at the same time they both have the same principle that the land is not to be worked. So for two years, the Israelite people had to every 50 years had to, you know, depend on God for their food and for everything that they could possibly need. So a alarming, I, whew, that's a lot of faith. It is. It's a lot of faith, especially given in a, in an environment where starving to death was an option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. that's all I gotta say, but also there's more that goes on with the, 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 <laughs> the year of Jubilee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's it's more, more than just the land having a break. Yes. Okay. The year of jubilee also translates to the ram's horn. So remember in oh, last yeah. episode mm-hmm. we were talking about what was the name of the the horn, the feast of trumpets or something. Yeah. Oh, the shofar. Shofar. It's the same horn that's blown yeah. at the end of the day on the day of atonement. Yeah. So it says on the day of atonement, which if you remember, I think is like their calendar restart. I think I don't, I don't remember. Know. It's either that or the Passover. Because, hold on, I have it in my notes. Uh, the Feast of Trumpets was the, is basically New Year's, Rosh Hashanah. No, because remember we said that they had a bunch of different New Year's. Like they have a bunch of different time points, but like their actual calendar doesn't reset because after the Exodus, I think it's after Passover. Passover, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what would make sense. Would, would be like the beginning of their year or yeah. whatever. But after the Day of Atonement um, is where... The day would end, so the sun would go down, mm-hmm. the horn would be blown, and that and would be the signification of, of the Jubilee, Jubilee year. year yeah, so it only starts after the Day of Atonement mm-hmm. for the year. Okay. It's a liberation in yes. more, more ways than one. Mm-hmm. So the men who were Israelites would go back to their land, would go back to their families and back to their clans um, because... When they move into the promised land, the land itself is going to be kind of dispersed out among the tribes of Israel and yeah. among bigger families, among yeah. people. God basically gives allotments to each tribe yep. and says, okay, now this, this is portion of land go. is going right. to be worse. Yeah. Um, so in the event that somebody had to sell, quote unquote, sell their land, mm-hmm. and we'll get into the details of all of that in a minute. But on the year of Jubilee, if their land was sold to somebody else, they can come back and reclaim their land. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as what was recalled, what, redemption, I think, in the year of Jubilee. So it, it meant that, you know, not one family or one person could gain all this land and all this wealth. Capitalism did not exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it was basically just kind of like a setting of the scales every 50th year. So... I think I said everything that I needed to say for that first half section, right? 
Do you have anything else? No, I just have for after we get through 22. Oh, okay. So reading down through the rest of this section of 25, which is very long, by the way, 13 through 22, this 25 in itself is long. 13 through 22, it says, In this year of Jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. You shall pay your neighbor according to the number of years after the Jubilee, and he shall sell to you according to the number of years of crops. If there, if the years are many, you shall increase the price, and if the years are few, you shall reduce the price, for it is a number of the crops that he is selling you. You shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, I am the Lord." Therefore, you shall do my statutes and keep my rules and perform them, and then you will dwell in the land securely. The land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell in it securely. And if you say, What shall we eat in the seventh year, if we may not sow or gather our crops? I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating some of the old crop. You shall eat the old until the ninth year when the crop arrives. Yeah. So... Like you said, in the first half of that, 13 through 17, mm-hmm. really. And like what you're talking about, you know, if somebody became impoverished, you have this land, I can't feed my family. You say, okay, well, I'm going to sell my land. Technically, because they were, I mean, I don't know of a better word to use than assigned. Like God assigned mm-hmm. assigned these allotments. So yeah. like this was who it belonged to. And what he's saying is, is he's saying that you can't sell the land, but you can sell the crops that the land will produce. Mm-hmm. And so basically what he's saying is if um, that sound basically what he's saying is if, you know, if you are one year away from the Jubilee, you will you know, charge or sell that one year's worth of crops. You can't sell 48 years worth of crops. Yeah. But if you're further out from the year of Jubilee, like the year of Jubilee just ended and, you know, there's still 49 and a half more years to go, then you will sell 49 and a half years worth of crops that you're not to cheat one another. You're supposed to sell, quote unquote, the crops fairly. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, it's like if I were strapped for cash and I needed something now and there was 10 years left until the Jubilee, I can say, well, my land is going to produce X amount of money in these 10 years based on the crops that I grow here, right? I'm going to sell you my plot of land for you to grow my crops. You're going to give me the money that it's 10 worth worth of crops, right? If you have it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then you are going to grow the land and till the crops and do everything like that for the next 10 years, right? And then you could, in turn, probably make a profit if something happens well. You know, you sell all of your stuff or whatever. Yeah. As a person. As a person that's buying the land. But you're basically just leasing it out. Mm -hmm. Right. Because at the end of of the Jubilee, I'm going to come back. Let's say you're you're older now, right? And But you can't provide for your family anymore. So you lease your land out to, you know, so-and-so or you sell your crops for the next, you know, 25 years until the next jubilee well let's say i am your i don't know a relative or a descendant of some sort and i'm like you know i'm gonna go take my family's land back well that year of jubilee i can go back and move back into that land yeah so yep and then basically i mean i don't know maybe i'm jumping the gun here did you have anything else to say about any of that I don't think so. I mean, okay. other than the fact that it's just leased, like you it's can't, basically, you cannot exactly sell the land. What it is? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, to another person, right? Um, and then in twenty through twenty two, I mean, God is just making a promise to take such good care of the people that in that one year, it's gonna 
I love they'll be scripts. enough for three years. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, he's incredible. Yep. It's just his provision, you know? Mm-hmm. He's providing for his people. Not only does he give the people quail and manna, but he's also providing them with enough crops to, to carry out the things that he has said that they should carry out. Exactly. Like, it's wholeheartedly putting your trust in him to provide. And right. I think that's the whole point of it. Exactly. It's to bring people back to him. Yeah. I mean, and we even look back in these first three books, when has God ever asked someone to do something and not provided them with the means to do it? Why would he ask the Israelites to partake in this year of Jubilee if he wasn't going to provide for them? Why would he have gone through the whole, I mean, I hate to say hassle, but like through the whole thing of bringing them out of Egypt and the plagues and coming through the wilderness to get to this point to starve them off in the year? Why would he do that? That makes no sense, right? No, it makes absolutely no sense. And he wouldn't do that because he loves us. Exactly. But I just had so, a crazy deja vu moment. What? Yeah, like you said that whole spiel last episode or oh. something. I'm not kidding. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. It means where we're spo- we are where we're supposed to be. That was weird. Anyway, but yeah, no. God has never not provided something that is his will exactly. like if it's not his will no, no he's probably not gonna provide for you but this is his i will. mean and think about too like even when things don't like you think a situation is bad if it's his will to be done i.e the birth of isaac like it's gonna be done it's gonna happen ishmael or no ishmael right. you know like <laughs> yes yep okay so anyway yes all right moving on is there side note is there a thing about being a slave yes okay yeah, it's coming up. Okay, okay, okay. So the redemption of property. The land, this is 23 through... 34. 34. The land shall not be sold perpetually. That's not... Mm-hmm. Yes. Per- perpetually. Per- per- <laughs> it basically means permanently. The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. You are strangers and sojourners with me, and in all the country you possess, you shall allow a redemption of land. Basically saying respect the year of jubilee it's not yours it's mine i gave it to you let it be returned back to the normal owners the original exactly. owners the, the family that i told that this is where you are going to reside yep if your brother becomes poor and sells a part of his property then this nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his brother has sold if a man has no one to redeem it and then himself becomes prosperous and finds sufficient means to redeem it, let him calculate the year since he sold it and pay back the balance to the man whom he sold it to, and then return to his property. But if he does not have sufficient means to recover it, then what he sold shall remain in the land of the in the hand of the buyer until the year of Jubilee. In the Jubilee it shall be released, and he shall return to his property. Basically it's talking about selling a tiny portion of your land. And if you can, if you have the means to pay back the person who bought it, quote unquote bought it leased it whatever you can go back and redeem it but it's up to the family if they can redeem it to Mm -hmm. redeem it because they want to keep it as much as they can within their family unit right yeah okay if a man sells a dwelling house in a wall city maybe you should read if a man sells a dwelling house in a walled city he may redeem it within a year of its sale for a full year he shall have the right of redemption if it is not redeemed within a full year then the house in the walled city shall belong in perpetuity <laughs> permanently to the buyer throughout his generations it shall not be released in the jubilee 
but the houses of the villages that have no wall around them shall be classified with the field of the land. They may be redeemed, and they shall be released in the Jubilee. As for the cities of the Levites, the Levites may redeem at any time the houses and the cities they possess. Do you want me to stop or keep going? Uh, you keep going. I'll finish it out. And if one of the Levites exercises his right of redemption, then the house that was sold in a city they possess shall be released in the Jubilee. For the houses in the cities of the Levites are their possession among the people of Israel, but the fields of the pasture land belonging to their cities may not be sold, for that is their possession forever. Yep. So we have two conditions here. We do. We have a condition where you're a normal Israelite person, you are not of the tribe of Levi, and you sell a house within a walled city, yeah. an urban area. Yeah, because keep in mind, too, at this point in time in history, they don't have an urban area. <laughs> well, the urban, you're exactly right, the urban areas. Oh, my gosh, the first time I've ever seen your neighbor outside in all these weeks that I've been staring out this window, someone does live there. A lot of people live there, actually. It's more than one person. Um, but basically like this point in time where cities use these giant walls for protection because if you lived outside of them pretty much everybody else could overtake you and take over your land and da 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 and that's how people gained power so okay but anyways i thought i always just like when i was reading through this i was like the urban homes you know living there um it's like for a living area only a living space only it didn't affect the financial security of the family like land or agriculture did right so it's kind of like a oh it's my holiday house yeah <laughs> type of deal yeah and part of this too is um where's my note on it okay the the uh, the note i have says the houses in the city are not as important to go back to the original owner because there really wasn't land that went with it exactly like you're saying so the tribes couldn't just go in and buy out a whole city and take over an entire city no because and then like sell it off to people and then come back and be like actually this is mine thanks exactly no they can't do that um it's the the houses that are sold from regular non-levite a common israelite person israelite thank you that's not levite (laughs) not an israelite person oh my gosh Words are hard. Yes. Um, they're not included in the redemption. They can sell their house and within a year they can come back and be like, actually, no. I changed my mind. Changed my like, mind. Here's the money that you paid me. I'm going to take my house back. But if they don't come back within a year, it's not included in the Jubilee. It's basically gone forever. And then if you are a Levite, yes. um, that doesn't apply to you. You can Correct. sell a house in a walled city um, and come back to you can it come back to it in the year Jubilee without anything correct which i think is crazy <laughs> well it's because the levites were not given any land they don't have oh, yeah. possession no i know they it's just they're 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 servants of god because they live within the temple they live within the tabernacle when they're in the wilderness like they don't they don't have land to cultivate yeah they weren't given any yep um it's just god's provision for them also their houses within the urban areas if you think about it later on when the temples are built and things Mm -hmm. that's an urban area around it's a city jerusalem was a city yeah so where else are they gonna live exactly (laughs) exactly um that's just my theory anyway they were urban priests yeah Mm -hmm. makes sense okay moving on now i'm picturing no what tennis shoes and 
high fashion, you know, like when you live in an urban area. Yes, I live on the Levite side of town. <laughs> I live off Fifth Avenue, thanks. On the on the Upper East Side what of Manhattan, that? actually. Anyway. What is that road? It's, it's like a specific road. Fifth Ave. Is it Fifth Avenue? Mm-hmm, with Sachs. Sachs Fifth mm-hmm. Avenue. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Money. Money. I don't have. Anyway. Me either. <laughs> Kindness for poor brothers is the sec- subheading of this section. Can I just tell you that this section really convicted me? Why? Really convicted me. Well, I'll get into it after we read it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm reading. Perfect. Okay. 35 through 46. Okay. Through 46. Okay, that's that whole section. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah, is that okay? Yeah, it's absolutely fine. If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If your brother becomes poor beside you and sells himself to you, you shall not make him serve as a slave. He shall be with you as a hired worker and as a sojourner. He shall serve with you until the year of Jubilee. Then he shall go out from you, he and his children with him, and go back to his own clan and return to the possession of his fathers. For they are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, that shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him ruthlessly, but shall fear your God." As for your male and female slaves, whom you may have, you may buy male and female slaves from among the nations that are around you. You may also buy from the strangers who sojourn with you and their clans that are with you, who have been born in your land, and they may be your property. You may bequeath them to your sons after after you to inherit as a possession forever. You may take slaves of them, but over your brothers, the people of Israel, you shall not roll one another ruthlessly. Yes. Two things. Sounds like a lot, right? There's two things. Mm -hmm. Two things. So the first section, 35 through what, 38, is talking about a fellow Israelite neighbor, like a fellow Israelite person that's around you that cannot maintain themselves. Mm -hmm. As in they're not so poor, so on the verge of basically starving to death that they need to sell themselves into servitude. They're not there yet. They, they're just struggling. They cannot maintain themselves. Um, whether it is putting food on the table or, you know, hiring enough work to, to actually grow his food or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so if you're, if a neighbor is not able to maintain himself, you are to support him. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to say, hey, come live with me. I'll feed you. You know, we'll figure something out. He can work as a hired worker for you to help get him back up on his feet. Correct. And a caveat of this is that you are to expect absolutely nothing in return. Right. Well, you can't charge interest. You can't sell your food. No. You know, like it's purely out of the goodness of your heart. God's and command. God said so. And if you are able to, I feel like too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you're not supposed to put yourself in a bad situation well, i'm sure not and you know we've talked about this before but god knows your situation you know yeah. what i mean so yep um i read something somewhere i copy pasted it and i don't exactly remember where i got it from but it says in medieval europe christians often refused to loan money at interest because of these biblical laws against your usury 
interest. Um, motivated by hatred of the Jews, Christian often pushed Jewish people into occupations that were thought of as low and inferior, collecting taxes and rents and money lending. Christians thought that of these op- occupations as necessary evils and thought to make the Jews bear the evil of the necessities. Yet because of this, Jewish people in the medieval Europe dominated many aspects of banking and financial business, which often made them more envied and resented by the Christians of Europe. So they... Uh, <laughs> How funny is that, though? Like, even, like, much, 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 much later down the line, you still see God providing for, for the Jewish people. <laughs> seriously. Uh, <laughs> they had bad intentions. The, the, absolutely. A thousand percent. Absolutely. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Right? I didn't know that. <laughs> they made them do all the things that they said were necessary evils, by like collecting rent and doing taxes and all this stuff. But it just made them financially savvy. Exactly. And involved in all of the business. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, and taught them business <laughs> and how to like, oh, I can't. I probably can't. made them very wealthy. <laughs> that made them do that. Uh, that makes sense. Anyway. Anyway. So... A point that um, I've watched the final episode of that Leviticus series from the <sighs> Calvary. Yes. It, it was so good. Um, but he said 35 through and 35 through 37, God is pretty much commanding the people to show others the mercy and the grace that he showed them because he is the Lord, their God that brought them out of Egypt. Like yep. you remember that when I brought you out of turmoil and slave and slavery and I brought you out and then you complained that you were hungry and tired and I gave you or hungry and thirsty and I gave you food and I gave you water. And now he's going to give you this land. You in turn are supposed to show that to your neighbor and to specifically the people that are, you know, maybe in a situation where where they can't yeah. do that for others. I don't always do that. And it's, I feel like too, it's one of those things that's very difficult to do in our modern age. It is hard. Because ha- like the first thing that pops into my brain, because I know what you're talking about when you say you were convicted now. <laughs> it's like the people we see on the street, well, you know? Yeah. And like at the same time, I would love, I have two spare rooms in my house. I would well, love to invite them no in to feed yeah. them well, and do all that stuff. But even- like, yeah, I mean, I'm not even talking about that specifically. I just mean to like, I don't always show if somebody doesn't understand something or if I'm running thin on patience. If I'm running thin on patience, can you imagine how God must feel watching me live my life? Yeah. And who am I to get angry over the fact that somebody, it takes somebody a little bit longer to grasp or to understand something? You know what I mean? Whereas God has given me all of this time you know what I mean? To get to where I am. Because, you know, if you were to come back, I don't know, any, not that I've never had faith, but I would not have a good a relationship with God that I have now. I I did not have the same relationship five years ago. Yeah, no. So he You've extended to me. Yeah. I mean, and it was just like the pastor said today, like, we're only here by God's kindness, mm-hmm. you know? And for me to not extend that, like reading through this, I was like, man, I suck. I suck. I don't, I won't, I shouldn't say I'm not that way. I won't be that way to other people because I am, but not all the time. What way? kind and patient and extending mercy and extending grace i this don't is specifically always do talking about picking people up when they are down though like financially I, providing for others yeah but it, uh, in other 
circumstances You can take it in well. any other way. So, <laughs> if you need to hear the message. <laughs> I get what you're saying, though. No, I, I don't do that so, either. I'm not very nice. As you were pointed out today but, in church, Victoria's on the naughty list. Oh, She's not very nice. I was joking. <laughs> Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, in, especially in today's society, for somebody who is just like standing on the street with a sign. Like, I was taking this literally. Like, I was like, of course. Like, I would love I both to ways. take people in and yeah. to help them get back up on their feet. Right. If I could, A, financially afford to do so, mm-hmm. and B, it wasn't a safety hazard in exactly. today's world. It, exactly it is. Because like not, you what were those have, words that I just said? I don't know. Because you have absolutely no idea what type of person you're inviting no. in. No, and two, you also don't know. Like, if I see a person on the street and they know that they're there pretty regularly, I will get like a gift card or something. Because I don't even like to give them money just because a you don't know what people are taking advantage, yeah. and b you don't know what they're going to use that for. Whereas at least this way, then you know that they're going to be fed. Yeah, you know. I used to do that. I would buy like Chick Fil A meals. Yeah, hand mouth. Yeah, and I used to keep like bags with like toothpaste and like soap and like mm-hmm. a toothbrush and a wash rag like in my car. And then if I would, that's what I would do instead. You know what I mean? Yeah. But basically, it's, just, it's hard. Yeah, we need to take care of each other. We do, but like, like, see, I feel like it was a lot easier for the Israelite people because they were very connected. Like they had to be, you know, I feel like they did because like you would, you would know your neighbor. We're talking about an entire nation. You would know your neighbor. You would know the people you had interactions with. You would know the people you had regular dealings with, you know, like Joe Schmo down the road grows sheep. I need some sheep. Okay. So I give them corn. The person you're doing business with somebody you work with, are you going to let them come and stay in your guest bedroom? If somebody that I work with mm-hmm. is is in a tough spot, mm-hmm. not me. Yes, Anybody of course. Else. If I know them, yes, of course. I would open my home to to somebody that I knew acquaintantly. Would you? I don't know. I'm just being honest here. I would like to say yes, but especially with my children. Now, I don't if know. they just needed a place to stay, absolutely. If, yeah. I don't know about but a, if I don't know about acquaintantly. If I they knew needed them, like money or something, yeah. I ain't got any extra. Like currently. The people that we work closely with, I would be fine with saying, yeah, you can stay at my house. But like if it were just somebody I knew in passing, mm-hmm. like acquaintantly, I don't know that I could do that. Like I, feel I would like be it- more than happy, like I said, to help provide you with meals or provide you with things that you need. But I don't know. I mm-hmm. know that sounds terrible, but I'm just being honest here. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, like I feel like if somebody like at church came up and asked me, hey, we have somebody here who needs a place to stay for like a week or two. I'd be like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Stay at my house. Because somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and somebody in a trusted position is vouching for them. Yeah. But like, whereas if it were somebody else, just like. If it was some random homeless or, person. Yeah. Or like somebody you didn't know or like somebody who you knew acquaintantly was like, hey, I know this person who needs somewhere to say you hear horror stories about that all the time. Yeah. All the time. I know somebody who just had now it was not them, but somebody that they worked with or worked for mm-hmm. had somebody staying in their house. Like this person was on a fixed income. Uh-huh. This person that owned the home is on a fixed income like retired yeah knew somebody who said oh i have somebody who's coming who's going to be traveling from i forget where like out of state somewhere up north can they stay with you well within the first week and a half two weeks of the month their entire fixed income for the month is gone how'd that happen leave how did her money go though 
food like oh, groceries see. oh can you get me this oh i need that mm-hmm. and when you're trusting and so willing to help you know what i mean just being taken advantage of we are in such a fallen world i know it's so sad yeah because you would love to be able to help somebody but you just never know you don't know who to trust so hard jesus is coming i would soon. have to pray about it a lot yeah, that's honestly what I mean. and i would probably have to consult. if it was a complete stranger like, let's be real like, i would yeah. talk i would talk to you i would talk to my dad depending on what they needed maybe speak to people who know resources at the church yeah that i don't know that i could be the one that they stayed with but i could help them make the connections that they needed to yeah to be yeah. able to yeah if it weren't like i said no if it were somebody like i said that i worked closely with or i knew them pretty well yeah fine but not somebody like a friend of a friend or not like mm-hmm. somebody i knew in passing you yeah. know what i mean yeah and maybe it would be different if it were not if i didn't have two children in the home and let's be right my dog too. would never allow that anyway no he wouldn't <laughs> that too yeah that's also a big factor if i had children i don't think i'd be as willing yeah to open my home to somebody random yeah but speaking financially wise and like other things wise that you need finances for like you said i mean i don't what do you do if you're not in a place to be able to help you can't you know you have to say no but maybe help them find somebody who maybe ask of ways that you can help them yeah you know that Mm -hmm. type of deal but like in this in these verses that we're talking about now you have yeah you have to you have to think of the people that they would have been helping would have been their neighbors, like their close community. Like they're not going to be Joe Schmo across the whole entire other side of Israel, you know? Like Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. And they were more, much more. How you define neighbor. Yeah, yeah, they were much more interconnected, I feel, too, because they had to interact with each other on a daily basis. They probably worked, did work for each other. You know, like if you have your elderly grandmother who doesn't have anybody living with her you probably went and gave her food every once in a while came in over and cleaned up her house you probably were the one to take care of her land like you know and it was just a lot more interconnected you can see like their dinner tables were always full Mm -hmm. whereas in today's world it's not like that anymore Mm -hmm. like we're so dispersed and we're so disconnected from our neighbors like i moved here how long ago and i only know the crazy lady across the street and one that's down in the cul-de-sac she said hey to me the other day when she was taking out her garbage like i don't know anybody else that lives around here don't know their names don't know what they look like i know what they drive because i'm observant but that's it <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah and i'm scared to like go and knock on somebody's door and be like hey just i'm because next door know. because i don't know them yeah just because you never know but see like if i were back home and i was moving back home and like yeah, of course, I would go knock on people's doors that lived around me if I was, you know, building a house because I know people there, whether I don't know people here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on. I can see why that convicted you now. That makes sense. Because, no, I don't extend kindness where I can. <laughs> it's kind of like a hardness of heart a little bit towards just humans. Like people rubbed me the wrong way yeah. for so long. I'm just like, I don't trust anyone. And it takes, it's completely free to be kind to to a stranger. It's completely free to be kind to anybody. Mm-hmm. But it's also com- completely free to be an asshole. So. It's also easier. <laughs> it is. It's just so, it's sad that our, we're getting into a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> and we've talked about this so many times that it's just become so ingrained in our human nature. To be to mad. Be anti-social, grumpy, and mad. It's just so much easier to not smile and keep staring straight ahead than to say hello to the person walking towards you you know yeah yeah i take a morning to miss people 
I'm not saying you. <laughs> I'm not saying you. I'm just saying like in general. Yeah. Like think about it. Like you're walking down the street. Again, you don't know anybody and somebody's walking towards you. They are also not speaking. Are you going to intentionally turn your eyes to look at them, smile and say, hey, how are you? You know, that reminds me of what happened the other day when we were walking Callie, my dog, Callie, remember? The poop lady? Yes. Like, it could have taken absolutely nothing to come up to us, get out of her chair, and come up to us and be like, hi, I live here. You know, I notice you walking your dog a lot, you know. Can you just make sure you pick up her poop? Yep. She don't even have to. You don't even have to get up from your chair. Just yell, hey. She did yell, hey, no, pick up that poop. No, she did not. She yelled, I saw that. (laughs) That's what she yelled. Say, hey, are you planning on picking that up? But not with an attitude. Yeah. And that would have made the situation completely different. Yeah. Or if she was really worried about it, she could have just come and grabbed it herself. For context, I picked up my dog's poop, put it in a bag and sat it on the curb because I I was like to say she picked up the poop with the bag. She did not pick up the poop and then put it in the bag. No, (laughs) gross. I picked up the poop with the bag, put it like tied it together and put it on the curb because I walk my dog a mile down the street and come back to my house. Like a loop. It's no, it's a down and back. So like I'm coming back that way anyway. I don't want to carry a disgusting, smelly bag of poop the entire walk when she pooped at the beginning of it. So that's what I did. And she got very upset at the fact that I put the poop on the curb. And I was like, I, I'm going to pick it up. I walk back to my house. Like, it's fine. I'm going to call the HOA. All right. Call the HOA. Good. You want me to dial the number for you? I'm just what I'm saying, though. It, t- it would take nothing for her to be kind. And it it would have taken nothing for us to be kind. Say, for us two hypocrites here. <laughs> for us to say, yes, don't worry. Thank you. I said that. <laughs> Whitney was the one was like, was oh, angry. call the HOA then. <laughs> so angry. I don't even live here. She doesn't even go here. She doesn't even go here. <laughs> All right. Redeeming a poor man. Anyway. Anyway. 47 through, what is that? 55? The end. The last section of 25. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 45 minutes in. We've gotten down a lot I of stuff. I didn't mean to take us down a weird rabbit hole. It's I'm okay. Just, it's good. I understand. To you. I understand why you're... You texted me last night. You're like, I'm convicted by this chapter. I was like, where? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Redeeming a poor man. If a stranger or sojourner with you becomes oh, wait. rich... Yes. We didn't talk about the second part of the of the kindness for your brothers. So the first part was if he couldn't maintain himself. The second part is if it's further de- depleted, if they're in like a almost on the state of verge of starvation. Declare bankruptcy. Yeah, except they declare slavery. Yeah. So like it's <laughs> they just they sold themselves into slavery to a fellow Israelite person. Yeah. Um, they're not to be treated as a slave. Um, you're to be treated as a hired worker um, and you can go free on at, the, Jubilee at the Jubilee year. year. Um, so regular slaves that were not Israelites that could be purchased from other areas around where they were um, could be kept throughout their generations. You could leave it as an inheritance to your son, basically. Mm-hmm. Like they were yeah. property, property and it they were treated terrible. as such. Yeah. But they did not go free at the Jubilee year. It was only the people who had who were Israelites who served themselves to sold themselves into servitude to another Israelite that was supposed to go free at the end of the Jubilee year. Correct. Um, also, if a, we'll get to it in a minute, but if a Israelite sold himself to a stranger, they were also supposed to go. Go and get him and bring him back. Yeah, to the family, family would. But if they couldn't, they were also supposed to be let free at the Jubilee year. 
but that um, almost didn't happen. Let's be real, right? Anyway. And I did also have a note here on the whole like slavery thing, you know, just because God allows something to happen, in this case, slavery, doesn't mean that he approves of it. No. I mean, look around in today's world, what is commonplace. Like, just because it's going on doesn't mean that God approves of it. I mean, he allowed the the serpent, he allowed the devil to be in the garden. That's like, what I'm saying. Like, you know what I he mean? He didn't approve like, of Eve eating the apple. Yeah, like, right. it happened, that but he didn't approve. Like, the, if anything, this is just further evidence that God allows us to have free will. Yes. That we make we our all own choices. He gives us the power to choose what we are supposed to and what Why? he has commanded. Why? Because we are not puppets. Exactly exactly i mean that doesn't mean you can't be a puppet for the devil he will make you a puppet but we are not god's puppets he's not pulling strings he did not write out a play of your life and it's just watching it happen nope. you make your own choices and he allows you to do that he basically. being a good father knows all the choices you will make correct but he is not making you make those choices yes okay correct great i'm all glad right. we I did that. To say that i have a whole thing at the end of this chapter by the way don't let me forget about the jubilee year so go ahead okay all right 47 right yes okay redeeming a poor man if a stranger or sojourner with you becomes rich and your brother beside him becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner with you or to a member of the stranger's clan then after he is sold he may be redeemed one of his brothers may redeem him or his uncle or his cousin may redeem him or a close relative from his clan may redeem him. Or if he grows rich, he may redeem himself. You sh- no, he, he shall calculate with his buyer from the year when he sold himself to him until the year of Jubilee and the price of his sale shall vary with the number of years. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier with the crops. Yes. Yep. The time he has, the time he was with his owner shall be rated as the time of a hired worker. If there are so many years left, he shall pay m- more proportionately for his redemption, some of his sale price. If there remain but a few years until the year of Jubilee, he shall calculate and pay for his redemption in proportion to years of service. He shall treat him as a worker hired year by year. He shall not rule ruthlessly over him in your sight. And if he is not redeemed by these means, then he and his children with him shall be released in the year of Jubilee. For it is to me that the people of Israel are servants. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Yep. So that's that's the whole if a Israelite person sells himself into slavery to a complete stranger who is not an Israelite. His family can redeem him. He can redeem himself if he becomes wealthy enough to do so. Or Correct. he is released at the year of Jubilee. Correct. Um, and also at that time then too, if it's the year of Jubilee or when he is redeemed, his family goes with him. Yes. If he took his family with him. Yeah. Or he got a family while he was there, if that makes sense. Yes. Because remember, way back in Exodus, I think, is when we talked about slaves and the laws for slaves. Mm -hmm. And if they were a slave, they had the chance to go free every seven years or something like that. that. Um, But if they did go free, they had to leave behind something. Yes. And that's why a lot of people decided to stay. The piercing of the. Yeah. Something. I don't know. Go back and listen. Yeah. But um, I probably should. I like the end of it was like for. Yes. For it is to me that 
the people of Israel are my servants. They are my servants who I brought out of the land of Egypt. It's basically what Jesus said in the New Testament. You can't serve two, two masters. Exactly. So if you are a slave serving a master, you cannot serve the Lord your God as a master. Mm-hmm. So just like you can't be of this world and also serve God. Yep. <laughs> can't serve two masters. Exactly. So think about the Jubilee year. Yes. Um, I read, this was on a Jewish website, by the way, that said the Jubilee year has not been observed for at least two millennia. There's actually no real evidence that it ever was really observed, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like it the says, year of the Sabbath. Yeah. It says, this is because the verse in Leviticus, which specifically names all its inhabitants, was understood by the rabbis to mean that the Jubilee year only applies when all those who are meant to live in Israel, that is, all 12 tribes of Israel, do in fact live there. The Jubilee years were counted after the end of the Babylonian exile and the construction of the Second Temple, but they were not observed. So the verse they're talking about is in 25 verse 10. Yep. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. When I read that, I thought to all of the Israelite people who live there, not to mean that all 12 tribes had to to actually be be there. there. So I think this was just something that the rabbis or the leaders came up with to say we're not going to give you back your land Mm -hmm. uh, because the whole 12 tribes of israel don't live here anymore like what i'm sorry that really got me fired up the other night when i was doing my notes because like what the heck man seriously why Um, whatever anyway he's coming back So that was the end of 25. That was the end right? of 25. Yes. 26 oh, is also quite long. Is is quite long. But 26 is fun, I think. In it a was way. really good. It's so good. It's talking about the blessings and the curses for obeying God's laws, basically. Yeah. So the entire book of Exodus, somewhat, and the entire book of Leviticus, somewhat, has always talked about, you know, what God expects us to do morally puritively spiritually whatever clean unclean we talked about a lot of things the ten commandments in particular Mm -hmm. we talked about you know the purity laws what animals were clean what Mm -hmm. you know blah blah Mm -hmm. blah Mm -hmm. and then we talked about our moral laws what we are and are not supposed to be doing morally (laughs) holding grudges um So blessings for the obedience to God's word and obedience to God's laws is talked about in the first section of 26, which is actually a very short section. It's only verses 1 through 13, 14 through the rest of 26, which is 46, 14 through 46 are the punishments for disobeying God's Mm -hmm. laws. Correct. Which (laughs) anyway, um, are we reading or do you want to list? Well, I have a thing before we start reading. Sure. That we keep hearing the word if, if, if. We've heard it, like you said, in Exodus. We heard it multiple times throughout Leviticus. We're going to be hearing it quite often now. Um, and when you hear the word if, it should trigger you to think that you have a choice. You have a choice to be obedient. You have a choice to be disobedient. Yeah. Going back to the whole thing that we just went on a whole thing about 10 minutes ago. That God gives us free will if we choose what we choose will determine what the outcome is, pretty yeah. much. Either a blessing or a punishment. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. cup can cup. Great. That's all I have. 26? Mm-hmm. First verse. All right. Am I reading? Yeah. Are we reading? Okay. <laughs> 
You shall not make idols for yourselves or an erect an image or pillar, and you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing. And you shall not, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before your before you by the sword. Five, mm-hmm. five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful, multiply you, and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store long kept, and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves." And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made your walk made you walk erect. Yes. Ah, blessings. Yes. So God pr- promised that he would give rain in its season, which was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the land would pr- yield its produce. You would have enough food for all of your seasons. Correct. Um, you would dwell safely. You would have peace. You won't be afraid. You would have protection. You would be victorious in battle. You will grow multiply the people of israel and he will walk among them (laughs) that was my favorite Mm -hmm. because it was like okay basically the blessings for following his his laws and everything he has said is reverting us back to the garden conditions Mm -hmm. of eden yeah like he walked in the garden with adam and eve and they were at peace and they yielded you know the fruit of the garden and everything like that like it was and had a personal relationship with God. Yup. Um, the five chase a hundred, a hundred chase ten thousand is evidence of the divine blessing, um, which we will see in later books, by the way, because it was just like a unimaginable thing. So like five soldiers chasing a hundred and actually come out victorious. Like, yeah, exactly. Y- and I you- can think of mal- like the, the one instance I immediately think of is I believe is it the walls of Jericho? I don't know. When Joshua, is it Joshua? Joshua takes just a, a very small handful of people. They march around the wall like seven times or mm-hmm. whatever and blow the horns and then the walls just fall. They literally just fall down. Interesting. And they overtake no, the city. I don't remember that. Yeah. Um, I think Enduring Word is what said this as God was determined to reveal himself to the world through Israel, either by making them so blessed that the world would know only God could have blessed them so, or by making them so cursed that only God could have cursed them and yet <laughs> caused them to still survive. It's not funny, but seriously, like, it it's going to happen. You can either cooperate or you can not. It is. It says um, that only God could have cursed them and yet caused them to still survive. The choice was up to Israel. Mm-hmm. So we've heard the word abhor a lot, and I had to look it up because I couldn't remember what it meant. Okay. It's regard with disgust and hatred. Oh, good. That's what that means. Good. So 
curses. That. <laughs> Let's go to and the curses. That note, Let's go to the curses. Punishment for disobedience. We have it's a tiered system. He's very systematic in this, and I very much appreciate it. Um, <laughs> we have five, somewhat five tiers we have here. Uh, they get more and more terrifying as we go along. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It's the section is about twice as long as the section on blessings. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I challenge you when you're listening to this to look to look for or listen for not only like the physical and surrounding things, but also the emotional punishment. Oh that yeah, he's going to give the people. Mm-hmm. For disobedience as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Enduring Words said this. It says, this speaks to human nature, which is more motivated by the fear of threats than by the promise of blessing. How freaking true sad, is that? Right? How true and how sad. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. So let's get into it. The first right. one. But if you will not listen to me and will not do these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you, and you shall flee when none pursues you. And if in spite of this you shall not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins, and I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its increase, and the and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. Okay, let's pause. So we have two there, mm-hmm. right? The first one, God will visit you with panic, bringing wasting disease, fever that consumes the eyes, makes your heart ache, enemies shall eat your crops, you will be killed by them, ruled by them, constantly terrified and paranoid by everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. will have no peace. So the wasting disease, I looked it up. Accordingly, it's accordingly. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, tuberculosis is considered a wasting disease because it was also the the wasting disease that it's translated here translates to consumption, which was also what another name for tuberculosis. So it was among other diseases like that, like very slow acting, like wasting Ugh. away yeah. of disease, like painful oh, deaths. Good. Probably like, I don't know, leprosy or something. I, mean, I even just hear the first word panic and that's enough. Yeah. That's enough for me. Panic. I'm going to listen now. Like, can you imagine being in a, exactly, in a constant state of that or like living in that Mm -hmm. all the time? And that's just the first thing. That's that's the first thing. So if you still don't obey him by all of these things, like you have constant panic, you're diseased. You have fever that consumes the eyes, which sounds awful, makes your heart ache. Your enemies, you have no food because your enemies eat your crops and then kill you. And then you're ruled by them constantly terrified and paranoid. Mm-hmm. So if that's not enough for you to turn to God and say, I'm sorry, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. Um, he's going to come in and break the pride of your power, give you no rain and no crops. So not only do you not have, have crops to begin with, because right. your enemies so are eating. Do you already have nothing, <laughs> but he's going to take away that nothing. And then you're going to be going to make 
get more nothing. Nothing, nothing. nothing. <laughs> Double nothing. Negative nothing. That's right. <laughs> Don't think it's possible. Ask the Israelites. Seriously. <laughs> hmm. Look um, around. So the break, the pride of your power, I think Enduring Words said the core problem with chronic continued disobedience is pride in one's own power. It says this pride must be broken. <laughs> A disobedient and cursed Israel would not know the benefit of the fruit of their own work. Their strength would bring no reward and they would do all the necessary work for farming, but there would be little produce and the f- then the land, no, from the land or fruit from their trees. I just think of, have you ever seen A Bug's Life mm-hmm. with Flick? How they do all of that work and the grasshoppers come and take all of their food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they're left with nothing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Break the pride of your power. Continued disobedience is pride in one's own power. If that does that not word. just... That <laughs> recurring theme here, not a, not a, specifically in the book of Leviticus, but the whole thing. among the Allergic to Race podcast. It's the whole thing. It's, it's pride. Ugh. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. That's a very significant one, I feel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Moving on All to right. the third. Then, if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for strike, your strike, sins. And I will let loose the wild beasts against you, which shall bereave you of your children and destroy your livestock and make you few in number so that your road shall be deserted. (laughs) And if by this discipline you are not turned to me, but will walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you. And I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall execute vengeance for the covenant. And if you gather within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. When I break your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in a single oven, and shall dole out your bread again by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. Are we good? Okay, we're good. So that was what, the third, fourth, and fifth ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no. So he's going to start by sending beasts. Yes, he'll send wild beasts to eat people and children. Yep, and deplete their number. Um, their roads will be deserted, which means their trade will be limited because nobody's going to come through there because of the known beasts. Beasts, beasts attacks. Yep, and so like their trade is going to be limited. They're not going to have any type of income. So Correct. here we are. We're on like the third one down. You've got panic, disease. You know, your enemies are killing you. You're ruled by them. You're constantly terrified, paranoid. Uh, you now don't have any rain or crops. Now wild beasts are chasing you and you're going to die and kill off all your children. And if you're left with anything but yourself, <laughs> you're not going to have any source of income now. All right. So the sword of vengeance for the covenant is going to come. Basically, enemies are going to come and strike you down. Um, he would send pestilence or fam- and famine if you gather in cities. So thinking that... You know, we're just going to take a trip to Sodom and Gomorrah and stay there because we're safe there from God's vengeance. <laughs> anyway, he's going to send pestilence, which is a fatal epidemic disease, by the way. Um, an example of that is the bubonic plague um, and famine. And then he's going to deliver them into the hand of their enemies. So it wasn't enough to have their enemies come after them and kill them. Now God is going to be like, I'm going to take you and I'm just going to put you right over here. Here, stay over there with your enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's going to take you out and put yeah. you there. Um, and then, no, I haven't gotten to the fifth one yet. The bread is, is part of the famine. So continue. 
All right. But if in spite of this, you will not listen to me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you in fury. And I myself will discipline you sevenfold your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your sons and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. And I will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altars and cast your dead bodies upon the dead bodies of your idols. And and my soul will abhor you. And I will lay your cities waste and will make your sanctuaries desolate. And I will not smell your pleasing aromas. And I myself will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it and i will scatter you among the nations and i will unsheath the shores <laughs> and i will unsheath the sword after you and your land shall be a desolate a desolation and your cities shall be a waste can you imagine god abhorring you no thanks. in his soul the word god and fury is enough to scare me right regard with disgust and hatred Disgust and hatred. I, I, like those words don't go together when I think of God, but he mm-hmm. could be disgusted and hate his creation, which he was when he did the flood. But like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And almost wiped out all the Israelites before <laughs> even got to his point. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't test him. You're on their ice. And to this happened. Like he. Oh, yeah. He. I forget what. Second Kings. Is it, was it Second, Second Kings? Kings? That, I mean, they were eating their children. Yep. Because the city was under siege. A famine so severe that you resort to cannibalism. Mm -hmm. And they would be scattered among their nations. Now, not only were they scattered among their nations, the land in which they inhabited would just be desolate. Like, nobody will live there. Nobody would even want it. Like, after you were defeated and you weren't even there, like, nobody would even want it anyway because it was so terrible. Yes, but God made it terrible. And the next section is absolutely hilarious. If you don't think God has a sense of humor, just read this. He makes the land desolate, takes all the people out of it, makes their cities lay waste. Where am I at? 34, 34, right? Then... Then the land shall enjoy its sadness as long as it lies desolate. While you are in your enemy's land, then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall have rest, the rest that it did not have on your Sabbaths when you were dwelling in it. And as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into their hearts into their hearts in the lands of their enemies the sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight and they shall flee as one flees from the sword and they shall fall when none pursues they shall stumble over one another as if to escape a sword though none pursues and you shall have no power to stand before your enemies and you shall perish among the nations and the land of your enemies shall eat you up and those of you who are left shall rot away in your enemies lands because of their iniquity and also because of the iniquities of their fathers they shall rot away like them mm-hmm. <laughs> he's going to he's going to not let anybody else come into the land that they were they were in so that the land can finally have its rest yes. because the land belongs to god mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were supposed to let it lie for their sabbaths and for their years of jubilee and he was like you're not going to do all this i'm going to take you out and the land will finally right. have its peace i'm going to give the land its rest if you don't do it the I land will, do will it for vomit you, you out mm-hmm. and that yeah does not exclude his people no and even he's in exile, just, he's a fair, just God. 
even in exile, when they're scattered among the nations, they will still suffer. They will still be a cowardice people who are terrified of everything, which... It says, and during where it says, as Israel continued to disobey, God promised to continue to be against them in the lands where they were scattered. They would be filled, filled with fear so great that the sound of a shaken leaf would be to them as a sound of a sword and they would fall when no one pursues. Uh, <sighs> crazy. Waste away under the curse of God. Making them crazy. However, throughout all of this, God never said he would forsake them or leave. Correct. He will punish you. Until you want to die. Yep. Like a parent. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he won't leave you. He won't He won't say, nope. All you have to do really is turn back to him and say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I know not what I do. And was that just today that the, the pastor was talking about, like, what is the point of having discipline or what is the point of God putting these punishments or these consequences or these curses into place it's to push the people back to him Uh it's to bring them back to him Mm -hmm. he's doing it for their own good yep i don't know if he said that today he was talking about warnings today yeah i heard it maybe it was something i heard somewhere else last night whenever i was preparing but anyway this next set of verses i really like because still through all this even in the punishments and the consequences, he's giving them hope and mercy. Like you still have hope and grace. Yeah. But if, but if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers in their treachery that they committed against me and also in walking contrary to me so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. But the land shall be abandoned by them and enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them, and they shall make amends for their iniquity because they spurned my rules and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them, neither will I abhor them so as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God. But I will, for their sake, remember the covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and rules and laws that the Lord that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These are the statutes and rules and laws that the Lord made between himself and the people of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. Yeah. So I just had a really interesting thing about verse... Well, I thought it was interesting anyway. Uh, verse, the one where he's talking about, I remember the land. Uh-huh. I, and I will remember the land, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read this exactly as I have it in my notes. So, basically, the land belongs to Israel permanently, even now. Yeah. Like, the land bego- belongs to Israel, and it can never, ever, ever, ever be taken away from them. doesn't matter who's currently living there, you know, in terms of biblically or now like the land belongs to them and it's because first belongs to god 
Well, yes, listen. I'm listening. So Genesis, in Genesis, we saw the covenant with Abraham. We saw, remember that whole thing where Abraham got all these animals and he split them in half and, you know, yep. here and here and here, you know. The the covenant this, promise yes. or something like mm-hmm. that. So basically what was typically done, like, during this time was is that, you know, you would split the animal. Um, Okay, basically what was typically done is one side of the covenant would walk on one side of the animal or animals and recite their side of the covenant. And then the other person or the other side of the covenant would walk on the other side of the animal and recite their side of the covenant, mm-hmm. right? So it's a two-way mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. right? So each side, that was just a ritual that they did in order to bond them. Um, basically, it was... Mm, sorry, I lost my place because I said I was going to read it and then I didn't. Okay, the animals were once one, but now they're two. So two sides pretty much are being bonded through this one animal mm-hmm. that is now cut in half into two pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So if you remember, when this happened, Abraham never, whenever God did this covenant thing, right? Abraham split all these animals in half, put them all out, you know, like he was supposed to. Abraham never even got off the ground to do a part of his of the covenant. No, God promised God put him into God put himself. Him in, God put him into this sleep, and God promised the land to Abraham, which is now israel through abraham Mm -hmm. so no matter what is done the land will always belong to the people of israel because god promised it through the original covenant Uh there's no way god's gonna break a covenant against himself yeah so it was a one-sided covenant and there's no way israel can default on that because they didn't do it yeah that makes sense anyway that makes sense. Aren't you so happy that we are under the new covenant of Jesus Christ? Oh, my gosh. Because we are blessed not by our obedience, but because Christ took on the curse of God for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amen. None of this applies to us. Praise Absolutely God. none of that, because I would be um, as scared Abhorred. for the leaves out there that are falling from that tree. Abhorred. I would be a lot skinnier because I would be constantly running. Right. <laughs> and eating your children. I say a lot skinnier like I'm skinny now. Shut up. Anyway. Anyway, that was the end of 26. This episode has turned into something kind of long. Sorry. Sorry. It's the last one, so it's going to be long. Apologies. Yeah. So 27. This one should be kind of quick. Yeah, I think. Um, We have a bunch of different stuff in here. But we have mostly laws about vows. Mm-hmm. Are we reading it? We don't have to if you don't want to. It's up to you. So the first half is talking about consecrating a person by vow to the church. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Out of gratitude, a sense of calling, you know, might want to consecrate your kid to the Lord um, or dedicate. Is it dedicate? dedicate? Is it dedicate? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. So when somebody who was not a Levite wanted to basically come and consecrate or dedicate themselves to God, um, they were supposed to be the ones that were helping in the tabernacle, providing some type of service to God. But see, now, if you weren't a Levite, you couldn't do that. So instead of, you know, breaking the laws that God set forth, you would pay a certain amount of money to get out basically of this task that you would be having if you were a levite Mm -hmm. as in helping 
with the tabernacle. Um, so if you were a man, <laughs> the price was higher. And if you were yeah. a woman, the price was lower. Now, I'm going to explain that because I was like, what? Excuse me? I knew it. As soon as I read that, I was like, oh, Victoria's going to be like, um, what? What? <laughs> no. It makes complete sense. Yeah. It's just the value of a man over a woman in terms of physical mm-hmm. labor that exactly. you would have to put into the tabernacle is higher. Yeah. So the man is worth more in terms of work they could do mm-hmm. versus a woman who cannot lift as heavy of things or carry out as Correct. many physical tasks as a man. Correct. The man had to pay more money because he could do more labor than mm-hmm. the woman. Because we are men and women by God's design. Men have more body muscle. They have more athletic ability. They have more, I don't know, strength, whatever. They're they men. They are made to be able to do those types of things. Exactly. Women are made to have babies. As you say, to bear children. So they, we can do things man can't. Man can't do things mm-hmm. whatever. You get Correct. what I'm saying. So if you were of age zero to four and you were a male, you would have to pay five shekels to get out. Of doing your tasks to the sanctuary because you weren't a Levite, mm-hmm. whatever. If you were a female age zero to four, you had to pay three shekels. If you were age five to 19 and were a male, you had to pay 20 shekels. If you were a female, you had to pay 10. Okay. If you were 20 to 59 years old and you were a male, you had to pay 50 shekels. Mm-hmm. And if you were a female, you had to pay 30. And if you were 60 and over and were a male, you had to pay 15. If you were a female, you had to pay 10. Because old people can't really yeah, do much. Can't do as much as what? Same thing with children. Children can't do much. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. General. So one of the things I said, they were they were valued according to their age and general usefulness to society. But seriously. <laughs> that's, that's how it exactly was. exactly what it was. Yeah, that's how it was. I mean, it sounds terrible in this day and age, but that's how it was. Everybody yep. had a job to do. Yep. So. Um, also, if you were unable to afford to pay yeah. whatever, the priest would look at you and value you out and based on what you can't afford he would give you a price yeah so that even the poor were able to dedicate themselves and participate yeah, exactly um so something about animals yeah, you could also like if you wanted to uh the goodness of your heart or kindness of your heart wanted to give an animal to god but wasn't necessarily one that could be used for sacrifice or ritual or whatever then what what was it correct me if i'm wrong but you would have you you would it's a vow is an animal that may be offered as an offering to the lord all of it that he gives to the lord is holy he shall not exchange it or make a substitute for yeah. it so if it's Good an approved bad. so if it's an approved animal then yes you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do with it but if it's not an approved animal i think you basically instead of giving the animal you paid its worth yes and if it's an unclean animal that may not be offered as an offering to the lord then he shall stand at the animal before the priest and the priest shall value it as either good or bad as the priest values it so so it shall be but if he wishes to redeem it he shall add a fifth to its valuation yeah so basically say you have i don't know a A cow a pig okay you have a pig that you want to give to the lord but because for whatever reason you can't it's a pig it's not an approved animal but you still want to be able to give something to the lord the priest says okay this is how much it's worth so you pay that yep and you keep to the pig. tabernacle or the temple and you keep the pig now if you wanted the money back you have to pay the what the amount that you pay plus a fifth a fifth so that makes no sense so <laughs> you had to pay extra for it basically yeah um uh, also then, um 
same thing with with property or with land or with houses i guess with houses um if you had a home or whatever that you wanted to give to the lord or dedicate to the lord the priest would come look at it say "Hmm, yep that's worth about this much money then that's how much you would give in lieu of the house yes for the home Yes. And then again, if you wanted it back, you say, hey, you know what? I changed my mind. I actually need that back. Uh, I need to live there because I sold my land or I'm leasing out my land until the Jubilee year or whatever. Um, you would pay what you gave to the, I keep saying the church, but you would pay what you gave to the tabernacle plus extra to get it back. Correct? Yeah. A fifth. Again, a fifth. I think redeeming. Okay, wait, hold on, wait. So with the the case of the unclean animal and the case of the house, you want to dedicate your house to the Lord, but they're not going to take your house. So he's going to come and he's going to value it for you and you're going to add a fifth to it. And that's the con- that's the contribution you're going to make to the priest and to God. Oh, yeah. And then you'll keep your house, but your house will be dedicated to the Lord. Yeah. Basically yeah. is what that means. Same thing with the animal because they can't take it. They can't take your house either. It's not approved. Exactly. So it's like, it's the priest is going to come look at your house. So, yep, that's worth $10. And you're going to be like, all right, well, here's 20. Yeah, but you could redeem the, you could redeem an animal. But if yeah. he wishes to redeem it, he shall add a fifth to the valuation. So you could come back. Yeah, if the animal was approved. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted to say, hey, here, take this bull. I'm dedicating this bull to God. But if he wants the bull back, he has to come back and pay the price of the bull plus a fifth of it. Yeah. And he'll get mm-hmm. the bull back. Makes sense. But since you can't literally give a house to church. Mm-hmm. That makes like, sense. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you dedicate your land, right? Are we at the land? Mm-hmm. The valuation shall be in the portion of its seed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Dedicates the field from the year of Jubilee. The valuation shall be the same. Okay. That'll wait. Okay, yeah, it's just saying to calculate the price for the land based on how many years until the next Jubilee, same thing we talked about before. If there's many years to go until the next Jubilee, take that into consideration. If it's only a few years until the next Jubilee, he takes that into consideration when determining the price. Because remember, at the year of Jubilee, you go back to it or it comes back to you or... yes. What have you? It says, and he, if he who dedicates the field wishes to redeem it, then he shall add a fifth to its valuation price, and it shall remain his. But if he does not wish to redeem the field, or if he has sold the field to another man, it shall not be redeemed any more. But the field, when it is released in the year of Jubilee, shall be a holy gift to the Lord, like a field that has been devoted. The priest shall be in its possession. If he dedicates to the Lord a field that he has bought, which is not part of his possession, then the priest shall calculate the amount of valuation for it up to a year of Jubilee. And the man shall give the valuation on that day as a holy gift to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field shall return to him from from whom it was bought to whom the land belongs as possession. Mm -hmm. So like if it was your land and you wanted to give it to the to the church and you didn't want to redeem it or anything after the year of Jubilee, it's not going to be released. Not yours anymore. It's the church's. It's the priests. It makes sense. Which is kind of messed up, but whatever. I mean, you're giving it back to God, so if God says you don't want what I'm giving to you, fine. This is true, but at the same time, I also think of crooked priests. Yep, because we know it happened. Yep. So, anyway, um, same thing with, is it, no, that's just the land. So, if he dedicates the field that is his own to the church or to the priest or whatever, it, it's going to remain in the possession of the priest and if he donates or gives to the church a piece of land that he has leased from someone else Mm -hmm. it's going to be released back to the original owner at the year of jubilee um the firstborn of animals are already belong to god Mm -hmm. so you were 
um, supposed to sacrifice the firstborn of every animal that you have, right? Yeah. Um, and then you can redeem your unclean firstborns. We talked about that back, I think, in Exodus. Yeah. And then there was something about tithing, right? Yeah, 30 through... 30 through 33, I think. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, that... Yes. The devoted thing, though. Do we miss the devoted thing? But no devoted thing that a man devotes to the Lord of anything that he has, whether man or beast or of his inherited field, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy to the Lord. No one devoted who is to be devoted for destruction for mankind shall be ransomed. He shall surely be put to death. Yeah, and I didn't get that. So Enduring Word said to devote something to the Lord was a further step than consecration by a vow. It often held the meaning of destroying the item or executing the person so that it could not be used by anyone else and all of its value was given to God. Therefore, if something was already declared a devoted offering, it could not be given in a vow. It already belonged to God and it was the most holy and it was most holy to the Lord. They really devote people and kill them? Well, I think they just mean like if you, I don't know, the only thing, if you killed someone and you were sentenced to death, you it was happening. There was no chance. I guess. You were being sent to death. Sorry. You couldn't be ransomed. Which we talked about the whole being ransomed and like yeah, we did. paying for punishments back in Exodus, I believe. Oh, a blasphemer or idolater could also be devoted. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So 30 through the end of 27 is every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or in the fruit of the trees is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds and flocks and every tenth of animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good or bad. Neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy and it shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. So the end of leviticus is talking about tithing um we know that the commandment for tithing in the old testament was 10 percent of your of everything that you Mm had Mm -hmm. um with the new testament it does not command or emphasize tithing it emphasizes and encourages giving so there's no like set amount that you were supposed to be giving to the lord every whatever. whatever um it's supposed to be regular planned proportional to what you have and all of that things you know giving as we should give sacrificially to god correct and we talked about that a lot yeah i mean in that i think too when people tend to hear the word tithe they think of money and it's not specifically talking about money time time your your gifts you know spiritually you know that kind of thing so the uh, whatever passes under the rod I was interested to know about yeah. that. It says, Enduring Word says, according to Jewish commentators, this expression is an allusion to the way in which animals were selected for the tithe. The animals were counted as they passed single file under the staff of the herdsman. Every tenth animal was marked oh. with a red colored stick to show that it had been chosen for the tithe. Okay. Um, I feel like I heard that somewhere before. Mm-hmm. Probably. We've talked about tithing so before much. in Genesis. Yeah. Um, but anyway. That was the end of Leviticus. That Holy crap. The end of Leviticus. We're here. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This has been a it has been a time, y'all. It's been ex- exhausting. Let's be real. Yes. It's men I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying it's mentally exhausting because it's so 
technical. It's a lot. Exodus and Leviticus were very technical and it's very straightforward and like rules and laws and yeah, things that needed to be written that way. And we have talked at length of why it is good that it is this way. Yeah. But in terms of us learning it, trying to find extra information and trying to talk about it and take it all in is a lot. It's been a challenge. It's been a challenge. I mean, a, a good one because I honestly have learned so much. So have I. Not even just... I wouldn't change it. Exactly. Not, I wouldn't change it. Not even just... Just do on the floor. Oh, can't do that. That wasn't anything in my hand anyway. Not even specifically like the first three books that we did but especially in leviticus i learned so much like yes about the bible but about myself as well yes you know like, 19 chapter 19 was it was 18 one? or 19 that was like super convicting yeah yes i was talking about how we're supposed to morally live our lives oh, yeah. and all of that it's yeah. a lot it's a it lot is. It's a lot to take in and it's a lot of reflection on yourself. Like when people say when you read the Bible that verses jump out to you, it is a thousand percent true. Yes. Like God is going to illuminate for you what he wants you to see and what yes. he wants you to work on yeah. as a human being. If you pray and ask God to reveal himself to you and, and to show you your sin or to show you whatever he will he'll do, do it. it it's not gonna be comfortable it's not, not gonna it's not gonna be ready. it's not gonna be a good ride but in the if end believe. <laughs> it'll be it'll be fine so anyway we are gonna actually take a break you guys we need a break uh for the holidays we're gonna take some time off with family to fellowship with our you know friends and everybody get together for the holidays um so i hope you all have a great thanksgiving you know yes. i'm thankful that we have started this podcast yes. it's like a whole year almost it has been. we started last january and we're only three books in we've come so far yeah, though so if you've been with us from the beginning or if you've listened through the beginning or even if you haven't thanks for sticking with us and yes. being here i can say like you said just so thankful for this opportunity and for everyone listening and for you i'm thankful for you saying for spending quality <laughs> time with you victoria <laughs> and yeah it's been good it's gonna be so great so we hope you have a great thanksgiving happy holidays have a very merry christmas please remember the reason for christmas mm -hmm. it's not about all the other yes, things it's the about reason for the season Christ's enjoy birth. but keep in mind too exactly why we celebrate also we're going to be releasing our first episode january 1st so that's when we're going to pick right back up we're going to probably do a recap episode and then we're going to jump right back into the book of numbers. numbers so hopefully we get picked up after this break and we get some refresh but um yeah Anything else? Have a happy new year. Yeah. If you have anything for us on the break, you have our email address. Yes. If you're behind, catch up. Yes. Catch up. Re-listen to some of the old episodes. I probably will just to cringe a little bit. But oh, the first episode, <laughs> my eyeballs twitching. Oh. This is an introductory episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But anyway, um, you can always reach us. If you want to talk to us, reach out, give us some ideas for things. I should probably get our socials up and running on this break, but just, no promises. Yeah, no promises. We have a Gmail. It's allergic to grace at gmail.com. So if you want to email us, out. we want to hear from you. Email us. Sure. I check it sometimes. Um, but anyway, do we have a favorite verse for this episode? So we had several favorite verses. And I think the one we ended up settling on was just because we kind of selected the same thing. It was 25, 20 through 21. Yeah. 
And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year if we may not sow or gather in our crop? I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year so that it will produce crops sufficient for three years. God is so good. He is. And he's just showing us his faithfulness and promises to always take care of us if we take, if we obey yeah for obedience trust and obey Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. isn't that a song anyway so yes on the next episode which will be released in january and the new year 2024 oh my gosh how anyway it's going to be our recap of leviticus most likely and that will be up on the Monday, January 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed the time we spent in God's word, and we hope to see you next time. Y'all have a great happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy, happy birthday, New Year. Victoria. Happy birthday, Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see, see you next time. 2024. Thanks for listening.